Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I want to begin by wishing all of our listeners a happy and blessed Easter weekend. It is so exciting to actually face the prospect of going to church this weekend. I know we've opened and closed and opened and closed again and now uh, we're officially in the red tier, hopefully the orange tier, which means more people inside in a variety of different activities. And whatever you have planned for this Easter weekend, uh, we want to wish you a wonderful time and a a healthful celebration uh, of all faiths and whatever you have planned. The weather is beautiful. Uh, Not only do we make the joke as we always do, as we have for the last year, that it's great to be in a city where we can spend all our time outside, we actually are having more and more options legally and health-wise to spend that time inside as well. So as San Diego churches are preparing for a second Eastern Sunday under some sort of pandemic restrictions, albeit much less than last year, it still means that there will be some people worshiping from home while others will be taking advantage of the opportunity, the luxury, the blessing to actually go to in-person services. Now, Mount Helix, wouldn't you know it, holds the title for the second longest running Eastern service, Easter service in the United States. That's according to the executive director of the Mount Helix Park Foundation, Krista Powers. And Powers explains that the sunrise service attracts more than 2,000 people each year. You know, that's gotta be outside. Um, Now, again, like I say, because we're in the red tier, that means churches are allowed to hold worship outdoors and indoors at 25% capacity with, of course, the safety precautions, masks, social distancing. Um, And again, that's a lot more than last year where we didn't get to worship inside at all. But one of the uh, silver lining segments, sort of uh, inspirational tidbits I'll give you in the first tab here is we are now planning vacations. And there are an interesting uh, variety and similarity among the types of things people say they wanna do. And it used to be the case that when we used to joke about a vacation, we'd say, oh, we want to go and lie on a beach somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I never said that, Larry. You neither. But we're both both workaholics. We'd probably have our laptops plugged in somewhere. But that used to be what a lot of folks thought sounded like a good time uh, and a good thing to do with their time off. Not so much anymore. Now, post-COVID, after being inside for a year, people are saying, hey, we want to get adventurous. And it's interesting that the list of exciting activities that are now on people's bucket lists to do post-COVID include walking, visiting castles and historic buildings and museums, seeing the Northern Lights, whale watching, visiting rainforests, visiting theme parks, even though you may or may not be allowed to scream on roller coasters. We talked about that last week. Um, Seeing uh, exotic animals on safari, seeing volcanoes, watching a geyser erupt, zip wire, rafting, kayaking, I mean, these are the kinds of things that people now want to do more than ever. This was a very different bucket list than what we saw last year. And Larry, I mean, I think all of those things are on my list. I would ask, what's on yours? 
I think if I had a choice, Wendy, it would be surfing and probably in Hawaii. I love those waters where they're crystal clear. You can see all the way to the bottom, the white sand, and you just catch that perfect wave. That would be my dream vacation. But I'll tell you what, as I grow older, uh, things get a little bit, uh, the simple things of life please me a lot too. And I'll just tell you, uh, yesterday we went down to the county administration building by the waterfront and they have something called the children's pool. And we took my little four-year-old granddaughter uh, and she was playing in there and just to watch them just run through those, the really long rectangular pools. I think there's at least three of them on this one side, the, the south side. And uh, she was having so much fun and to see her laugh and make friends with some other little girls that were playing in there. It's only about two inches deep, so there's no chance of anybody drowning. But <laughs> it gives me joy to see her having so much fun, having been cooped up. To, to a certain extent by the uh, lockdowns. So that was beautiful. That so great. Yeah. You know, what's funny, Larry, the two items on your bucket list, the surfing in Hawaii, that would have been what you would have said, not just last year, but the last 10 years. Um, and I know this because I, I've seen you surf on board a cruise ship doing the, the simulation. And I'll tell you what, you are a great surfer. And so it's interesting that your priorities and your bucket list has remained the same. Although you bring up a really good point that one of the things that the pandemic really did, we'll call it one of the, the silver lining elements, is make us appreciate the little things, especially uh, joy in others and noticing how our children are finally now able to go back outside. Many of them are able to go to school, see their friends, and just the, the joy on their faces, the experiences they're having, the, the positive way in which their lives are now becoming enriched again in the same fashion they were post uh, pre-pandemic. So uh, you are correct that as we get older, um, we do appreciate vicariously that type of joy. Um, for all of the folks out there that are planning a vacation, though, I know one of the things that's for, first and foremost on their minds was, how can we plan a travel vacation where, God forbid, something closed down again, like is happening in Europe, we would be able to either get our money back or change our plans. But, Larry, I think that the news is carrying some more ominous news about how exactly you may be able to travel to your destination of choice, depending on whether or not you've had a vaccine. Right. There's something new that people have probably been hearing about in the news, especially you'll pick it up on the Internet, called the vaccine passport. So in New York, Governor Cuomo has given a contract to IBM to come up with a vaccine passport system. Rutgers University in New Jersey next fall will not let students into classes without a vaccine certificate. And there's a bunch of par-hungry doctors uh, that publishes in the Wall Street Journal that want to come up with a digital rapid detection system. Now, perhaps even more ominous than that, the Biden administration is looking into requiring vaccine passports, yet no voter ID required, but you better have that vaccine passport handy. And... Uh, but to the credit of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he has said he's issued an executive order banning vaccine passports. However, on the other side, the former president of Planned Parenthood, her name is Dr. Lena Wynn, wants the Biden administration uh, to make our freedoms as we open up contingent on us having a vaccine passport. And she said, if you just totally reopen now, what's the carrot going to be to get people to take these vaccines? And so it's, it's kind of worrisome. 
There's a couple questions about that, Larry. So the Biden administration has said we're going we're to let the private and decide whether or not they want vaccine passports. Many um, of the industries and uh, businesses that have mentioned vaccine passports also include a negative test. Uh, as they have, have done traditionally, they also embrace the idea of medical exemptions, religious exemptions. They usually say medical and legal. So it's not so much a vaccine passport, but they are uh, a lot of industries. And again, there are exceptions to these rules. And Larry, news breaks every day that contradicts or corroborates some of what we've heard anecdotally. But the the idea appears to um, be circulating around this, I, this uh, no, we'll call it a vaccine, but of course, we don't really have a dead COVID virus. That's not exactly the way these vaccines work, although we call them that for, for ease. Um, but is there any talk about requiring FDA approval, not emergency use as we have now, but is there any talk about postponing the requirement of vaccination until we actually have an FDA approved real vaccine or, or, or what? I know there's dueling narratives that surround the you know, the efficacy, whether it's a good idea, but more importantly, the requirement. I mean, what's the latest on that? Well, as far as the FDA approval, I'm not sure what they're doing there. I'm, I would imagine they're definitely working on getting FDA approval since they're going to be they're trying to mandate it for everybody. But vaccine passports on its surface sounds like a great thing. But the problem with it, Wendy, is you don't have a choice. And if once they get this going, they're going to be able, according to Naomi Wolf, who's the author of many books, including one is called The End of America. And I think she's kind of uh, on the liberal spectrum of things. So I probably wouldn't agree with her on, on, on everything. But on this, I totally do. And what she says, once you get that requirement for a vaccine passport, they will be able to load other functionalities onto that platform. For example, your PayPal account. Net networks can be brought up into it. It'll have geolocation capability, perhaps your credit history, your medical history. Uh, Israel already has this. And what it works out to be is a two tiered system where you have people that are have the passport and they can go anywhere. They can do anything. And the people that are kind of resisting, they're kind of like you know, they're stuck. They can't do certain things and it can only get worse. And according to Naomi Wolf, this is kind of end of life as we know it, if this gets through. So we have to push back on this now. You know, what's interesting about the whole discussion is, you know, we have so much in common regarding the the end goal. Everybody wants a safe and effective way to to keep each other healthy. The way in which we go about that and the paths that different people believe are best to achieve that uh, seems to be really fodder for a lot of argument nowadays. But you have to believe that's out of fear for a large extent of the population, given how how fast these vaccines were, were developed, um, given how thrilled people are to be taking them, but then only to find out that they may only be effective for a certain amount of months and then, of course, there's the idea of, well, gosh, you know, do I have to go in every six months now? What about the variants? It seems like there's a lot of unanswered questions. But, Larry, I'm going to end on a high note here because we are united in our respect and care for each other as we move forward, trying to find a common solution that will be helpful, that will be uh, easy, and that will be available to everybody that would like to take advantage of it. We need to take a short commercial break, but don't touch that dial because when you return, given that tomorrow's Easter Sunday, you're going to meet one of the top defenders of religious freedom and families in our nation today. 
You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We'll be back in a flash. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Our guest tonight is a name you will no doubt recognize. He is in the trenches doing the Lord's work. His organization is dedicated to fighting back in the courts against the constant attack that they feel they are often under in terms of religious freedoms. He's also a dear friend who I have known for years, and he has his own radio show too that is much widely known than mine. So he is a, a really a guru and a veteran on the air, both radio and television. So it's a blessing to welcome to the show today. Larry, who do we have on the line? Yes, Brad Dacus is an attorney and a tireless champion of religious liberty and defender of the family. Brad is founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, or PJI. And PGI has a network of hundreds of volunteer affiliate attorneys, and it handles more cases on the West Coast than any other legal nonprofit organization in regards to religious liberty and protecting the family. Brad can be watched daily, Monday through Friday, on Brad Dacus Live on hischannel.com and can be heard weekly on the Dacus Report on more than 514 radio stations across the country. He's appeared on CBS Evening News, CNN, Dateline, NBC, Good Morning America, MSNBC, NBC News, and The Today Show, and he's been on numerous times on Fox News. Welcome to the show, Brad. Oh, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thanks for that uh, very gracious introduction. I hope I can live up to uh, the expectations you guys created. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, I, I didn't know when that list was going to end. You know, I almost <laughs> felt like saying, you know, Larry, do you want to find a network he hasn't been on? But then I was afraid we wouldn't be able to. You know, Brad, you've done such good work for so many years, and I followed all of what you've been doing. And it's because it's Easter tomorrow. It's a great day to have you on talking about churches and openings and religious freedoms and everything else. But, you know, one thing I know our listeners would love to hear is, so Pacific Justice Institute has been wildly successful over the years. What in the world ever prompted you to start the organization that has just exploded with success in the last decade? Well, it's interesting because I didn't want to start it. Um, I always like to be under working under someone else, um, and everyone depended on me. That's sort of my obsession, security, not risk. But uh, I was the Western coordinator for the Rutherford Institute. I'd opened an office for them five years prior to that. And uh, they uh, contracted majorly and um, offered me a, a promotion to go back east. They were going to shut down the regional offices. And I was going to be the, the public relations, the representation, uh, the face of the organization in D.C. with a higher pay. And I said yes. Then I had insomnia. and I couldn't sleep. I thought, oh, great. I got to pray. And so I did. When I did, I really uh-huh. felt convicted with this, with the question of, Brad, what desires has God put on your heart? And are you going to are you going to follow those? And the desires were clearly to make sure people got the help that they needed where it was needed the most on the West Coast. I knew when that office shut down for Rutherford, it was going to be a huge void because we were handling over ninety percent of the work out here. And um, so I gave God a few little uh, requirements: free office space, free computer system, keep me on the radio for free, uh, be in the black in three months. You know, just a few little minor requirements. 
and uh, and God came through on all of them, and and Pacific Justice Institute was born, and uh, we haven't looked back. It was 1997, and uh, now it's 2021, and uh, we've just helped countless numbers. And one thing that makes us sort of unique as a legal ministry is that we don't just cherry pick the high profile cases. We actually work hard to make sure that everyone gets help when it comes to religious freedom, parental rights, the sanctity of life. And we now have more offices coast to coast to make sure that that happens from, from Miami up to Seattle, from Orange County up to, uh, to New York City uh, and in between. So we're really committed to making sure that people get the help they need always without charge. And uh, we just help countless numbers every year. And it's a real joy to do that. Hey, Brad, I understand under the latest Supreme Court ruling, churches can now reopen their doors for indoor services, but I think they're still held back as far as the number of people allowed. What's the status of church lockdowns today, considering tomorrow's Easter Sunday? That's a great question. And, you know, we at Pacific Justice Institute had a very bold case we brought against Santa Clara County and Governor Gavin Newsom, um, and we've, we basically filed for an emergency injunction and uh, the Ninth Circuit said no. We went right to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court immediately took it up and reversed the Ninth Circuit and the lower court and said uh, that you cannot treat churches differently in terms of occupancy than other uh, secular organizations. And it was they're very broad in, their, in its protection. And uh, it was a great decision. And what, basically what it says is that if your town has 50% occupancy for a shopping mall, or restaurants, they have to give at least 50% occupancy for churches. Um, that's in a nutshell. Uh, we at Pacific Justice are still litigating that because we know that the county of Santa Clara up there, San Jose, uh, they have a county airport, and that county airport has 100% occupancy. So we're litigating saying, oh, no, uh, churches deserve 100% occupancy, uh, not just 25% or 50%. Uh, but uh, the, the things are changing, so like, you know, some counties were, were red, now they're orange, or were orange, now they're yellow and, uh, in California. So uh, those allow for broader occupancy. So people need to find out what, what their, their color is, if they will, what tier they're in. And uh, what that tier is for everyone else is, applies uh, just as protectively for, uh, for churches. So, and that's really good because uh, we're right now defending, you know, this is Easter Sunday coming up. Well, you know, one, one year ago today, uh, there was a, a pastor, uh, African-American brother in Christ, had a small church in the Bay Area, um, and they're just committed when their walk with the Lord, small church. They went ahead and had a safe Easter service with distancing and mass, small little church. He is being criminally prosecuted as we speak, and we're defending him. Uh, so I want people to remember that uh, the battle is still on, um, even for, for what now we look back and see as, as ludicrous. Yeah, you know, Brad, you bring up a really great point about um, the civil disobedience that we've seen go on during the course of the pandemic. And obviously, some violations were more egregious than others. You had people packing into to sports bars watching the Super Bowl, for example. But then you also had examples like you give, where there were churches that decided to open their doors but space everybody out. And there was no singing. Everybody was separated by plexiglass, you know, with complaints. Um, but, you know, Pacific Justice Center really has taken a lot of these cases uh, and been willing yeah. to, to step into the trenches and defend. 
uh, some of these smaller churches. One question I always had as we move along is, you know, jurisdiction wise and whether a, a case is right to continue litigating. If you bring a case on behalf of a church, for example, that is at 25 percent occupancy and then the county comes into the orange tier, maybe or or even less restrictive than that. And all of a sudden everything's open. Do you continue to litigate that case or, or does something become moot once we sort of achieve societally what you are seeking to achieve legally? Well, it's a great question. Um, we're we're going to continue to litigate uh, because we want to make sure this never, ever happens again. We see some great case law with uh, President Trump's appointment of Amy Coney Barrett. The court shifted from a uh, you know great deference, governors, do whatever you want to the churches, we'll defer. They shifted from that to governors, you're still under the Constitution. You've got to make your case. You've got to prove your compelling state interest uh, when you limit people's ability to worship. It was a night and day shift, and we've seen great case law subsequent to that and to that shift. But um, we want our, our end goal is to have it so that, uh, so that in the future it will be pretty much impossible for churches to just completely shut down uh, churches and synagogues in the United States of America. We want to make sure this never, ever happens again. Um, so, it's, you know, the fact they say, well, 50 percent, um, hey, government, have you proven it? Have you met your burden of proof? that specifically 50% is exactly what's needed to meet a compelling state interest. And there's no other way around that. So that's what we're litigating. And we've got them on the run uh, in states across the country, these governors. And I'm uh, so pleased to see uh, the roost finally coming to, uh, uh, to, 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 to where it needs to be. The rooster finally coming to, to where it needs to be. Oh, hey, Brad, uh, I know that besides churches, you also defend parents and families and children a lot of people are concerned about the new curriculum they're offering in the public schools. And you have something called church homeschool co-ops. What are those? Oh, they're so important. Uh, we at Pacific Justice really felt led to do this. Uh, we have a short video on our website, uh, you know, pji.org, that people can watch this. But uh, basically what we're enabling and empowering uh, churches to do is to start these homeschool co-ops which will allow these churches to uh, have homeschool or parents working together, not starting a private school. It's very easy to do, but it gives it opportunities to rescue uh, children from government schools. Uh, they're doing chants. They're going to be doing chants to the Aztec gods. Uh, we're fighting that right now, but it looks like that's going through. The, the sex education is the most uh, leftist, dis disturbing, radical LGBTQ uh, materials all the way down to the kindergarten level. Um, it's, we're desperate. We have to save as many kids and that's why we we're pushing out the church homeschool co-op on a nationwide level. Yeah, you know, Brad, um, it's obviously, you know, we want to just promote love for all of our children and we want to make sure that yes. they are healthy and safe and that we, you know, we as Christians, we love everyone uh, regardless of lifestyle choice. Um, what we're talking yes. about is curriculum is very different in different areas. And that's sort of what, what bothers us um, sometimes, depending on what, what they're learning and how young, how young they are when they're learning it. But we only have a minute left. So let me just say um, your website that you gave us uh, is um, also pacificjustice.org. And I would just encourage any of our listeners to go there if they want more information or to learn more about you. So thank you so much, Brad, for, for joining the show and for, um, really stimulating the conversation. I'll tell you that there's never a dull moment with the type of work you do. And we well, would thank, like to... Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to wish our listeners a wonderful, safe weekend. Happy Easter weekend. And please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.